You're listening to the Western Science Speaks podcast. Explaining why these selfless acts are actually advantageous is important. Evolution is a slow and unguided process. Well, I'm Canadian and this is the school I go to and this is how much I love my culture. Let me share this with you. Presented by Henry Standage. Hey, welcome to the Western Science Speaks podcast. Today we're with Leticia de Souza Suarez from the Department of Biology. Leticia works at the awesome Aviation Center here at Western. We sat down to talk about how birds pass parasites to one another, which led us down a bunch of interesting alleys about the history of islands being exposed to parasites that the native bird species weren't equipped to handle. Small spoiler alert, it doesn't look great for my native English blood here. And then we moved on to talk about how, as people lucky enough to live in a first world country, how can we become better tourists? Anyway, here's the interview. Okay, what bird do you primarily look at in your research? So I, it's easier to answer that question just not thinking about a specific bird, but thinking about more systems rather than an individual bird species. So I have worked with um, birds in the Caribbean region, mostly across the islands of the West Indies, um, in the U.S., in the Amazon, and now in Canada. I'm mostly interested in birds um, in the tropics that live year-round there, so they are born there, they reproduce there, they die there, and also birds that breed in Canada or in the U.S. And then whenever temperatures go down, it gets cold, and we start complaining about how miserable we are, they just fly to the south and then spend the winter months in tropical regions, so these are migratory birds. And your work specifically looks at the disease malaria so what makes malaria different from other parasites or diseases or more prominent in birds? Yeah, I think for bird malaria, I think we just know a lot about it. And we know little about other even diseases. And the, the difference is probably because of the similarity of bird malaria and human malaria. So a lot of uh, major discoveries in human malaria uh, started by looking at malaria in birds and looking at doing experiments in birds and looking at which vectors transmit uh, malaria to birds. And so and then carrying this knowledge over to human malaria and trying to understand it. So we, the, the, the bird malaria field takes a lot of advantage of the advances in terms of research of the, the, in the human malaria field and vice versa. So it's a really good system to study uh, malaria in birds because it's almost like an uncontrolled uh, system because in humans you have, obviously we, we treat malaria and we have all sorts of uh, measures to control um, so understanding how the system would evolve naturally, so a lot of these ideas come from natural systems like in the, the bird malaria system. 
Can you give an example of how the process is the same between birds and humans with malaria? Yeah. So they're both transmitted by mosquitoes, um, different mosquitoes. There are mosquitoes that only feed on birds, and there are mosquitoes that just like pretty much anything with legs and warm blood. Uh, but there's many, many mosquitoes that just take blood meals only from birds. Uh, same thing for humans. There are mosquitoes that are just specific human feeding mosquitoes. So they're both transmitted by a vector, which is like this middleman that carries the parasite from one host to the other. And they have the same symptoms. So right after a, a mosquito, when a mosquito takes a blood meal, it can inject the parasite through the saliva because the parasite gets like lodged in the in the salivary glands of the mosquito. And then a mosquito injects saliva into the host and then the parasites just get in the host through, through that way. So it's the same thing for birds as well. Um, the path that the parasite takes in the birds is the same thing as it takes in humans. So it first goes to the liver, spends some time in the liver, and all they do pretty much is produce clones of themselves. They just make clones after clones after clones. So initially they do it in the liver and then they leave the liver and then go on to infecting red blood cells and then destroying red blood cells. So a clone invades a red blood cell and makes tons of copies of itself, bursts the cell and then goes on to infect other cells. So those are parallels that happen in the, in the bird system and then in the human system as well. Are they treated the same way medically? Yeah, the, there are drugs that people can use um, in, in, the, in the bird malaria system that are the same. Uh, the same pharmacological mechanisms apply. And the, the way the parasites invade the cells is the same. There, there are many, many parallels. Right. Can malaria only be transmitted by a mosquito? Is a bird contagious after getting it? Can it spread it? So um, if you handle a bird with malaria, you can't get it for two reasons. First, because the malaria needs that intermediate, that the mosquito middleman guy who will transmit uh, the malaria from one bird to the other. The parasite actually needs the mosquito. It needs to pass through the mosquito so it can uh, change its shape. So you can see right. the parasite is kind of a, a shape shifter right. a little it bit. It as a filter. It, it's actually, it has sex in the mosquito. <laughs> so it makes clones in the birds. So it just uh, produces tons and tons of itself. And then in the mosquito is where sexual reproduction actually takes place. And after it reproduces inside the mosquito, it has this specific form that is the infective form. So they need to pass through a mosquito to um, go onto a different uh, host. And you also wouldn't get malaria because it's a different parasite that infects birds. So the, the, it's completely different. Uh, but also another bird that if it's just like direct contact with each other, they wouldn't get malaria. 
because they need this mosquito intermediary. Right. There's probably a funny joke to make about the mosquito serving as a home for sexual yeah. reproduction, but it's a school podcast, so I'll hold <laughs> off. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your paper documenting the extinction of endemic bird species in Hawaii. Right. So um, that paper, I actually, uh, we were interested in... Uh, looking at uh, specifically the type of parasites that uh, were in Cuba. So islands in general are very important ecosystems for all sorts of organisms. Um, so island populations are vulnerable um, because first they're isolated from everything else. Uh, some islands more isolated than others. Second, many of these organisms, they um, evolve from an ancestor, but they are unique organisms that have evolved in the island and they are not found anywhere else. So they have this uniqueness to them and they have this uh, naiveness to them too because they have never been exposed to things that are found in a continent, right? So we have this extra interest in monitoring island populations because they are more prone to threats of uh, things that people bring into these islands. So Hawaii is a very sad case uh, in terms of uh, bird malaria because the mosquito was introduced um, in the island in the early 1800s and a mosquito came with uh, British colonizers, uh, so they, th there is actually a very precise... Like it was in the entourage? Like, what do you mean it came? It was, it was in the water that ships collect, okay. like, to balance. So that ship, they, they know the precise ship that sailed from Mexico to Hawaii and brought in all those mosquito eggs and then uh, whenever the ship uh, anchored in Hawaii, it released the water into a stream, and then the mosquito eggs just got all over the island. Uh, it was Maui, and, and then the mosquito populations just established there. And, but before the mosquitoes got there, you have all these Europeans arriving in Hawaii bringing just ducks and chickens and all sorts of uh, domestic birds and animals that likely already had malaria and were just reservoirs for the parasite. And then so you have like the pool of parasites and then you have the mosquitoes and that's the, the perfect combination for infecting the birds from the island. And Hawaii has uh, many birds that have evolved there. They're endemic uh, of the island. And they just never handled anything like that before. So there are these um, this reports from naturalists from the 1800s that they write about their everything in their lives, like what they eat for breakfast, their hikes and all of that, and they report like seeing birds dead on on the on the forest grounds, which is something that if you do hikes, you don't really see birds dead that often. You don't see animals dead because something else just eats it or it decomposes super fast. So I think it gives us an idea of how impactful that was. 
So there were many extinctions reported and many populations just de declined tremendously. And until today, people have been monitoring Hawaii's malaria. And the parasite that uh, caused this extinction and decline of these Hawaiian birds is actually globally distributed. But there are very specific uh, um, strains of this parasite that are um, more lethal to birds. They are more invasive. They just, whenever they are inside the host, they just reproduce faster, they invade faster, they cycle faster than others. And so when we were working in Cuba, um, we were just describing the, the malaria parasites of Cuba, and then we found the, the same strain that was present in Hawaii. And I was like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is not good. So what we decided to do is to go a little further in terms of the, the understanding that the genetic fingerprint of the parasite. So we looked at a very fine-scale variation um, in the genome of the parasite. And uh, by looking at the specific region of the genome, we were able to just go a level further in terms of uh, specifying which strain of parasite we're dealing with. And so we found a match with the Hawaiian strain. So the same strain that was in Cuba was the strain that was in Hawaii, and it was the strain that had caused extinctions in Hawaii. But what is interesting about this story is that we had to go back and actually read books about the history of colonization in Central America and in the Caribbean to understand kind of the timeline of human occupation in these areas. And uh, we think that um, this introduction of the, the mosquito and the parasite happened much earlier in Central America and in the Caribbean. And it's, it's really bad there, right? Um, it's very common there. This specific uh, bad parasite is not so common. It's actually very rare, so we have sampled uh, more than 20 islands in the archipelago, and we have only found it on Cuba, just so you can have an idea. So it's not, it's not super common, this specific bad one. So that's why we were concerned, and we were trying to understand what was going on. So we think that uh, if, you put a, if you put these events in a timeline, so Europeans uh, started the sugar, plain, sugar cane plantations in the, in the Caribbean region um, in the 1500s, and it was later on in Hawaii. So it is possible that uh, ships that were doing slave trades from West Africa, where the parasite actually is originally from, so they brought the mosquitoes and all and birds to uh, to Central America and to these islands in the West Indies, and we probably missed a ton of extinctions, right? Because uh, at that time there weren't that many naturalists reporting these things and doing these expeditions. And in Hawaii, it happened later on, and there were tons of naturalists that were 
living in the island and just reporting these things, these events of mortality and possible extinction. So with that, we think that first the parasites hitchhiked with the, the, the ships uh, from West Africa to the Caribbean region and then established there. We probably missed a ton of extinctions. We still don't know exactly what's going on in Cuba because our sample is from Guantanamo Bay only, so we don't have a comprehensive assessment of Cuba, unfortunately. And, um, and then the parasites probably moved from Central America uh, in the Caribbean region to Hawaii uh, later on. Now, as with most historical stories, it comes back to British colonizers. <laughs> right, right. But is there is there anything they could have done to not bring that mosquito over? Is there anything I can do as a potential traveler going to a part of the world that might be particularly sensitive mm -hmm. to mosquitoes coming over? Is there any steps you can take? Uh, I think that's a really good question because... I don't know what those people were thinking at a time. Uh, my my general what about personal perspective perspective is that they didn't care. But now I think where there is a threat, uh, many countries have uh, policies of what you can bring, and you just have to be respectful of those policies, understand them before you go abroad and follow them, be compliant with their, their, their suggesting because they know what they're dealing with. Right, don't yeah. bring your pet mosquito. Yeah, or your pet bird. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about climate and different parts of the world, are there some regions that offer more nutrients to birds that help fight against diseases like malaria? I think this, this is a complex question that I don't have the answer for and I, I don't think anybody has. I think there is a different way of looking at this problem, and I think malaria is just one more thing that birds are dealing with, right? So they have um, now just um, reduction of food sources, they have reduction of their habitats, they have all sorts of like toxic contaminants in their habitats, they have other types of parasites that they have to handle. So they have this constant uh, moving target of like new threats that they have to respond and adapt. And this change from one place to the other, some species are more vulnerable than others. And I think our role now is to try our best to buffer all these threats that birds are facing, uh, which include things like keep your cats indoors. Right. <laughs> Very simple. Do, do you have any trips coming up? Are you going anywhere in the future? Check out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm always going somewhere. I was just in the Dominican Republic a month ago. Um, in the fall, I'm going to be working in Long Point. Um, and I'm going to be working in Bruce Peninsula as well with migratory birds. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, so, you bet. That's it.